0: Bay Hills Community Church is pleased to have you join us as we wrap up our series, The God Questions. There always seem to be questions about our faith or God, and some of those questions prompt us to take actions that are life-changing. Today, Lead Pastor David Fossil looks at one of the most asked questions, Why is there so much evil in this world? Join us as Pastor Dave helps us understand some possible answers and how we can live our lives differently. As
1: uh, Joy mentioned, Sandy is with Linda right now with about fifty of our other church women at this retreat. I always think it's interesting on the Sunday that we have women's retreat to just watch the dads wandering with their kids you know they look like homeless kids and you know hurry let's go have some breakfast over by the so thing but that's where they're at and uh, I'm glad uh, I'm glad Linda was able to share you know as we listen to her story I know some of you knew that story maybe some of you uh, did not you know we sit here and we think you know um, some of you have gone through worse than that you have some of us haven't gone gone through near what she's gone through in fact, for many of us, you know, our lives have been kind of good, decent, and, and but we're wondering when we hear that story or other stories, you know, when is it going to happen to us? When does my luck run out, right? Because every single one of us either knows someone like Linda or has gone through what she's gone through. And um, so, so at some point in time, just from our experience in life, it seems like every one of us deals with the question that we're going to try and deal with this morning as we kind of wrap up the series. And the question is this, why is there so much evil in this world? If God is a good God, why is there so much suffering in this world? If he's such a good God, it seems like he doesn't care. What is going on? You know, this Bible says that he's good, but then I look around and I read the newspaper and I watch CNN and boy, it doesn't seem to match up. Right? It doesn't seem to match up. You see, part of the reason, and it's interesting, when surveys are taken um, of church people or non-church people, Christians or non-believers, it doesn't matter. That question right there is the number one question that comes up with respect to faith. We want to know how could a good God allow so much suffering? Doesn't seem like He cares. Sometimes everyone wants to know, and you know why? Of all the questions we've dealt with in, in our series. Most of them are just interesting. You know, what are the differences between world religions? That's interesting. Uh, Creation, evolution. That's interesting. But this question is personal. It's personal. Because it's happened to me or it's happened to someone else that I'm close to. It's personal. I want to know this. I want to understand this. I will say this. Uh, Over the years, um, I have learned... That that question looks like a question, smells like a question, seems like a question. But sometimes when people ask it, it's really not a question. People don't really, sometimes people, they they don't want me to give them an intellectual explanation and, and get a legal pad out and start putting verses down and try and help them understand this. What I've learned, and I especially as a young pastor didn't realize this, a lot of times this is an, what they want from me is an emotional response. They don't want an explanation. What they really want is a hug. Have you ever found that to be true? And we need to have discernment to understand and know what what do people really need and what do people really want and where they're at in their situation in life. Now, what I'm going to try and do for the next 20 or so minutes is I'm going to try and biblically speak to your brain and to your head and again, like the other weeks, you're going to have to put your thinking cap on. It's not really a fun subject matter. There's not a lot of fun stories because this is this is a tough, tough topic, okay? But hoping that as we address this biblically, it will filter down into our soul and we either we will begin the process of healing and understanding what is going on or we'll be in a better situation to help others as they go through it, Okay. So uh, if you want to grab your study guide, a couple things to follow along on. Here's the problem. The problem is there are some teachings in this book that don't seem to match with each other. Here they are real quick. Let's put them up on the screen. One, God is good. In other words, he is, he is perfect. He is holy. He hates evil. God is good. Number two, God is great. In other words, he's all-powerful, right? We talk about his, omnis- his omnipotence. He can do anything he wants if he sets his mind to it. But there's a problem. It doesn't fit with this last one. Evil is real. Problems are real. Suffering is real. So if he's good and he's great, why is there all these problems, evil and suffering in the world? It doesn't seem to match, right? Now, as philosophers and thinkers throughout the ages have tried to process this. Why doesn't this fit together? You know, it's like a puzzle piece that you can't fit in. Why doesn't this fit? They've come up with about five or six different solutions. Let me just run through them with you real quickly and then we'll land on on the last one. One first solution, God isn't real. God doesn't exist. Uh, The only problem with that solution is that any survey you look at says, at the minimum, about 94, 95% of the world's population believes in God. Every once in a while you hear of, quote, atheists. That's the idea of someone doesn't believe there is a God. There's really not a lot of people out there like that that are true atheists. Everywhere in the world, it seems like 94 to 98% of the people Believe in some form of God. Now, it may not be Jesus, okay, I'll grant you that. But this option really isn't a a, a strong option, okay? Option number two, evil is simply the dark side of God. Now, you need to realize that major faiths and religions teach this. Buddhism teaches this. Hinduism teaches this. New Age movement teaches this. It's the idea that everything is God, right? And because everything is God, then he gets all the credit for the good and all the credit for the bad as well. This idea is kind of like the Star Wars idea of the Force. You got the good part of the Force, and you got the dark side of the Force. And God is mostly good, but He's got a bad side to Him, and and you're just going to have to live with that. And and this is a real part of a lot of people's thinking when it comes to faith and, and the issue of problems, trials, and suffering in the world. Option number three: God is not powerful. He's not all powerful. In other words, He is good, and there is a problem, but He doesn't have the ability to fix it. It's amazing how this idea is gaining momentum. Uh, a, A famous rabbi by the name of Harold Kushner wrote, when bad things happen to good people, and here's what he said. God wants the righteous to live peaceful, happy lives, but sometimes even he can't bring that about. It is too difficult even for God to keep cruelty and chaos from claiming their innocent victims. In his book, one of the chapters is entitled, God cannot do all things, but he can do some important things. God is good, but He is not strong enough. He is not able enough. He is not powerful enough to actually make a difference. He's like some of us, right? We wish we could make a difference, but He can't. Option number four: God doesn't care. He just, you know, He 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 uh, He's powerful, and there is evil, but the, you know, is He completely good? Well, you know, by the way, Islam implies this. It implies this idea that God is who He is. Right? But he doesn't want a personal relationship with you. He could care less to have any kind of personal, intimate relationship with you. None whatsoever. Whatever happens to you, happens to you, you know? And God, according to Islam, is the propagator of, of bad, some of the bad things that happen. Okay? He doesn't, it is what it is. Just tough it up and you'll, you'll, you'll make it through. Okay? What I would like to challenge you to to consider as your solution to the problem of evil and suffering in the world is this last one. Write it down. To live with the tension. To live with tension. What's the tension? I just went over it with you. God is good. God is great. But there are real problems, suffering and evil in the world. You You know, I try and study this book and... To try and think about this not only biblically but philosophically and intellectually. And there are some things I cannot explain to you. I just can't. And I can maybe get you halfway. I can't. F- but I have to live with that tension. You know, I have to live with the tension of having conversations with my friend Linda Vinoy, our children's pastor here, and listening to her story and experiencing some of it with her. And you know, here she is, someone who is a, a pastor, someone who's supposed to be guiding with us, guiding us. And how, but she, over the years, she'll openly tell you she's had wrestled with God and struggled. Right? It's attention. And it's just better to just say it and to admit it. Okay? Now, like I said, there's no way I'm going to get you to the end of this issue. I'm going to get you about a third way there. I'm going to help you start to try and chew on it and try and understand it. Hoping that it'll filter down a little bit and help you process just a little. What I want to do for the next 15, 20 minutes or so is I want to just give you some helpful ideas. Some helpful thoughts to, to to give you some perspective on what's happening and how can I understand the problem of evil and suffering. Okay, so if you want to write these down, these might help. couple things. First of all, Jesus said that suffering would happen to us. He said it would, would be like this way. In, in John chapter 16, verse 33, I have told you these things so that in me you will have peace. In other words, I'm going to tell you in advance... What's going to happen to you? You know what? If you drive into San Francisco during rush hour, you can expect to spend two or more times in the car than you would average spend. If you go into that knowing it, it's a little bit easier. Still maybe, it's a little bit easier, right? That's kind of of what he said. I want to tell you in advance what you're going to go through to, to give you some perspective to help you through it. And then he says, in this world, you will have trouble. Not you might, not you could, not it depends on your life. No, you're going to have issues, problems, suffering in your world. You can take it to the bank. If you're not experienced it yet, you will. Well, that's kind of negative. No, it's not negative. It's realistic. That's It's realistic. That is life. But take heart, he says, I have overcome the world. By the way, there are some, again, religious uh, leaders that don't teach the reality of suffering and evil. They don't even come close to saying this. Um, Mary Baker Eddy, the founder of the Christian Science Movement. Um, some of you may be familiar with this movement. Every once in a while you'll see their little buildings and churches all around. Uh, she is quoted as saying, quote, sickness, suffering, and sin are just illusions. That's why the Christian Science Movement do not allow their followers to have any kind of medical attention. You've ever heard stories about that? That's what's going on there. Uh, ah, you're just, it's just in your mind, I've read some of this. I've tried to pro- I can't figure it out. I really can't. Um, but there are religions and faiths. In fact, Buddhism to, to some extent will teach. It's just, you just gotta, you know, get into an enlightenment era and then you won't have this issue with suffering and problems. Jesus said, no, 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 no. That's not, it, you're gonna, you're gonna have problems. You're going to have issues. It's not that you necessarily are messed up. Everybody has it. Some of us do a better job than others at hiding it and not letting other people know that when our lives fall apart. But every one of us goes through that, right? One of the things I appreciate about this verse though, is how he ends. Take heart, I have overcome the world. He gives us some perspective. Uh, you're going to go through problems. I'm not going to necessarily take you out of them, but I'm going to help you through them. I'm going to help you through them. One of the perspectives I like, some of you may know the story of Joni Erickson Tata. Joni Erickson, as a young kid, there she is on the screen, 17 or so, eight, jumped into a, a, a lake, hit her head on the bottom of the, of the lake, cracked her, 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 uh, her spinal cord, can't use her legs, can't use her arms for the rest of her life. And she's quoted as saying this, I'd rather be in a wheelchair knowing God than on my feet without Him. That's good perspective. I, you know, And this is coming from someone who, who's gone through one of the worst things I think anyone could experience. As a teenager, losing the ability to walk, to feed yourself, to comb your hair, to shower, has got to be an awful, awful thing, right? What we have to start with, the first little domino that has to fall is to have the understanding that Jesus isn't trying to trick us into this, into this God Christianity faith thing. He doesn't say, okay, all you gotta do is raise your hand after one of Dave's sermons, just get baptized, you know, throw a few bucks in the offering, and I'm like a magic wand, your life's gonna be wonderful. He doesn't say that. In fact, it's, in some cases, it's, some of it's gonna get a little worse. Some of it's gonna get a little harder. Right? Am I going to give you fulfillment satisfaction? Yes. Are you going to be able to live for eternity with my Father? Yes. There's some things that are certainly much better. But some things are just harder. Okay? Second thought that I want you to think about. This is a longer one and a bigger one. God is not the creator of evil and suffering. God is not the creator of evil and suffering. Why didn't God just make a perfect world? Why didn't He just create it perfect? Every once in a while I've had someone say that to me. Answer? He did! He did create it perfect. Look at Genesis 1.31. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. It was perfect. Okay, now you've lost me a little bit, because if he made it perfect, I look at the newspaper and watch CNN, and it's garbage. So what what, what what's going on? Something happened. He must have, he, he must have, you know, there must have been a flaw in his creation. Well, when you read Genesis and then you read the rest of the Bible and just look at life and, and, and how God created, very quickly you understand that one of his priorities was to give you and to give me choice. Or some people call it free will. It's the idea that he's going to give you a choice to follow him or not follow him. It's your choice. I'm going to try and help you challenge you motivate you to do that but in the end you can walk out you could choose not to choose, not to follow him your choice yeah or you could choose to obey him or not obey him you could choose to love him or not love him he gave you that choice but here's here's the catch with choice comes the consequence of that choice comes the what, what's going to happen when you think of it could he have could he have created a world without choice Could he have made you and I robots? Sure. When we just do everything he wants us to do. He could have made us like the Toys R Us doll, right? With the little string right here. I love God. I love God. I love God. I love God. He could have just forced us, right? But we all understand that the value of love and a true definition of love is choice. Why I value Sandy's love, my wife's love, to me so much it's because she gives it freely. No one forced her to marry me. I know that sounds hard to believe sometimes, but it's no one forced her to marry me. And that's some of the value there. It's a choice given. So he says, okay, you have choice. You can do whatever you want to do. That's a perfect world. But in that perfect world, the minute we choose to do something that is outside of God's will or doesn't benefit someone else, What happens? Potentially, someone else hurts. Think about it for a minute. Think about things that you've done in this last week, in this last month, in this last year. Has it all been good? Absolutely not. Not me, not you. Is there potential for hurt? Yeah. Is there potential for a lot of pain? Yes. It's kind of strange for me to say... Um, yeah, God created a perfect world. I'm glad you gave me choice. But then when I screw up and I hurt someone else to blame God and go, why are you allowing this to happen? It doesn't make sense to me. See, God didn't create evil or suffering. You know, I don't want to know what He did create? James says everything good, everything perfect comes from above. That's what He created. That's what He created. I just recently read the Pilgrims. Group from England that comes to the United States to, to settle and to, they're, that first generation of Pilgrims. I thought this was fascinating. They built or created more grave sites, graves, than they did huts by 7 to 1. More gravesites than huts. And yet this is a group of people that created a day called Thanksgiving to make sure we take the time to appreciate what God has done for us. You know what? I am completely fine, and most importantly, I think God is completely fine with you asking them hard questions like, why do you allow bad things to happen to good people? I think he can handle that. But if you're going to ask him that question, you also better take the time to thank him for all the good things he's done. My guess is that no one slept in the rain last night. My guess is that uh, whether you had breakfast or not yet today, no one's going to go to to, to bed hungry tonight. My guess is that every single one of us put on a, a clean or fairly clean pair of clothes. My guess is that most of us have a way to take care of our family. My guess is that few of us, if not any, didn't walk here today. We drove here today. We got a lot of good stuff. Okay, so I'm fine. Let's ask the hard question, but take the time to say thank you, God, for what you've given me. God is not the creator of evil and suffering. Okay, so what do I do with this? Now, this is the kicker. Write this down. Sin is to blame for all the evil and all the suffering in the world. If I'm going to get ticked off at someone, get ticked off at sin, and ultimately Satan that's behind it, okay? Romans chapter 6, verse 23 says this. For the wages or the consequence of sin is death. Now, I understand, and if you've read and studied the book of Romans, you will know that this verse is primarily talking about spiritual death. When we sin, there's a spiritual separation between us and God. But any good Bible student and any good theologian will also tell you that that word also refers to physical death. Death brought into the world not only spiritual, uh, sin brought into the world not only spiritual death, but physical death. And when you think about it, when we struggle with, with evil and suffering, when we're frustrated why this world's turned out the way it is, isn't most of the time it has to do with someone dying? Think about it. Why did you allow my high school friend to be in that car and pass away? Why did you allow my, my, my coworker's kid to get leukemia? Why did you let Terry pass away? It's when, when we have these major crises of people passing away, this is where this issue really comes to the forefront. Right to the forefront. And, and God said, oh, by the way, he gives us a warning right at the beginning of the whole story. Genesis chapter 3, verse 3, he tells Adam and Eve, God did say to them, you must not eat fruit from this tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it, or you will die. Every once in a while, when I'm talking to loved ones or people that have lost uh, loved ones, they go through a phase of, you know, grief have different phases. I'm not a trained counselor, but it's not that hard to see where people are depressed and then they seem to bounce back and then they go back. You know, And then there's always a phase seemingly of anger. They're just flat out angry. Angry at life, angry at seemingly, at. they're angry that they've experienced this loss. One of the things I've learned is not to say, well, you shouldn't be angry. God's going to give you peace. One, it's a grief process. But the other thing I've learned is, you know what? You should be angry. This stinks. But just be clear, don't direct your anger towards God. If you want to be angry, direct it to who really is to blame. Who's to blame? The Bible says sin is to blame. All evil and suffering and pain in the world is a direct result of what sin has done in our world. Everything. Ultimately, Satan behind it. it's all, you know, the result of sin. That's the whole reason he came. When you read the New Testament carefully, it's very interesting. We don't say this a lot, but the ultimate enemy that God came to defeat was death. It's the ultimate enemy he came to, to, to defeat. Spiritual and physical death. He didn't create that. By the way, when Genesis 3 happened, that's when sin came into the world. Two kinds of evil came in. Just to understand, one is moral evil. That's the, that's the stuff that you and I do. It's like I said in the last week. Have we said anything that has hurt someone or potentially hurt them? Probably. How about the last month? Hit rewind. How about in the last month? Have you done anything that has hurt or damaged someone? How about just hit the rewind for the last year or ten years? Have you done or said anything? that has caused a tremendous amount of pain in the life of someone else. I have... Who here couldn't say that? Now, sometimes it's on purpose. Some people are just flat out mean. Sometimes it just was a mistake. Sometimes we were being boneheaded. Sometimes we thought we were having fun, but we, you know, whatever. Whatever. Someone has done a study that has said that 95% of all the suffering in the world is nothing more than a direct result of people being selfish and sinful. 95%. It's just us doing what we do or people that are much worse doing what they do. Think about that for a moment. You go, well, what about world famine? Okay, you want to go there? Let's go there. You do know that God has created an earth where we have enough food right now that is produced to give every man, woman, and child on this planet 3,000 calories worth of food a day. We have that right now. You do know that in the United States of America alone, we throw so much fast food away every day at the end of that day that there's enough food to feed small countries in Africa. You see, even an issue and a problem as severe as world famine... It's as much about selfishness and misplaced economic priorities and irresponsibility. It's about us. It's not about God. So Genesis 3 introduces moral evil. It also introduces what's called natural or nature evil. If you have your Bibles, turn to Romans 8 real quick. Romans 8, page 800. I promise you that when we get to our next series, we'll be opening the Bible a lot more. But the nature of this study forces us to... Put a lot of this verses on the screen. Romans chapter 8, verse 19 is where I'm going to start. If you get there, notice in your Bibles it says future glory there. He's, he's looking to the future, but he initially starts talking not about moral evil, but about natural or nature evil. What's going on in creation? Notice what he says starting in verse 18. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that is revealed in us. In other words, thank goodness what we're going through now, we won't have to go through forever. Verse 19, he starts to talk about nature and the world. The creation waits in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. For the creation, or our world, was subjected to frustration, but by its own choice, but by not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay. And brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. Verse 22. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Have you ever been watching on TV? Maybe when you were watching what went in Japan. Maybe watching all the floods that have happened in the south. And, and, And the reporter will say something like about this terrible, quote, act of God. Have you ever heard that? Every time I hear that, it ticks me off. It really does. I realize it's just a phrase, but the, the idea is basically, well, we didn't, we didn't cause this tsunami. We didn't cause this flood. We didn't cause this earthquake. We didn't cause this tornado. It must be God that did it. Well, that's not what Paul says. Paul says, you see, creation is frustrated. It's bondage to decay, and it's groaning. Why? Genesis chapter 3. Sin messed everything up. It messed everything up. Now, when something bad, evil happens in the world, do we point a finger at a person and go, it's their fault? Sometimes you can. Sometimes you flat out can. A lot of times you can't, honestly. You can't. It's just the effects of sin in this world. But if you really want to get down and dirty, who's at fault? Sin's at fault. That's why we fight it so much. That's why God fights it so much. It has messed up everyone's life in this entire world. Now, what do we do about it? Let me give you a couple thoughts that might help you process how to handle suffering. Though suffering isn't good, sometimes God uses it to accomplish his purposes. Though suffering isn't good, sometimes God uses it to accomplish his purposes. If you're still in Romans, look at verse 26. Everyone always jumps to verse 28. That's the famous verse, but you've got to read the context verse. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. He's going to help you through through the suffering. We do not know... What we ought to pray for, but the Spirit intercedes for us with groans words, and words that, that words cannot express. Have you ever done that? You just don't even know what to pray for? I don't even know how to pray. It's okay. God's going to work through that. Verse 27. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. And now verse 28, the one that everyone likes to quote. And we know that in all things God works for good for those who love him, Who have been called according to his purpose. What does this whole passage mean? It means that though suffering isn't good. And God doesn't create it. Every once in a while. He can take some garbage in our life. Some mistake in our life. Evil and suffering that we experience. And he can bring something good out of it. He can accomplish something positive. Now I could give you eight different things. We could spend a whole series on this. Let me just give you the top three real quick. Let's put them up there if you want to write them down. Number one is sometimes suffering or difficult times draws people to Christ. I was at a conference in Sacramento um, over the last two three days, and at the conference, one of the things they did is they interviewed a guy called Louis Zamperini. Louis Zamperini. I'm sure I'll tell you more about him in months to come. He's 94 years old. He ran in the 1936 Olympics right in front of Hitler in Berlin. And uh, he eventually went in, in, into the armed forces. His plane was shot down. He was captured by the Japanese and spent several years in a Japanese uh, prisoner camp where he was tortured mercilessly. Here's this 94-year-old guy, and he says something like this, literally, quote, I'm convinced that if I had not ended up in that prisoner torture camp, I probably would have never come to Jesus. And I started to think what we're going to talk about today. And I thought, isn't it true, so often we don't change when we see the light, more often we change when we feel the heat. Isn't that true? It's amazing to me how many people come to God and search out Jesus when their life falls apart. It seems like there's two extremes. Your life falls apart and you either run to Jesus or you run away from Him. It's amazing. But God uses difficult times in our life to say, you know what? My priority for your life is not comfort. I'm sorry, but that's not my number one priority for you. My number one priority for you is that you would be more like Jesus Christ. And sometimes, in order to be more like Jesus Christ, I'm going to have to allow you to go through at least just a fraction of what he went through. It draws people to Christ. Another reason is to correct our behavior. The Bible calls that discipline. Calls it discipline because he loves us. Let's pretend. Let me show you how it works. Let's pretend you and I are walking around the forest. We come across a bear, and they're caught in a trap. Their leg is caught in a trap, and the the bear is in terrible pain. We want to help the bear, but you can't just kind of go up to because he's a bear, right? So we're like, what are we going to do? So we go, and we go find a tranquilizer gun. We figure if we tranquilize him, you know, and he's kind of semi-conscious, then we'll be able to help him out. So we come back with the tranquilizer gun, and we point at at the bear. Now, if you're the bear, what are you thinking right at that moment? shoot i guess literally right why are they trying to hurt me They don't know it's a tranquilizer gun right but we shoot them bam and they start to kind of they go into kind of semi-conscious so we go up to them and of course in a trap when your your leg is trapped you actually have to push the leg further into the trap causing more pain before you can release the leg now if that bear is again semi-conscious what do you think the bear's thinking well i can't believe they're trying to hurt me so much why why are they doing this to me that's kind of an analogy of what happens with us with God. We're thinking, why is he doing this? Why is he trying to hurt me? And what God's trying to do is, no, I'm actually trying to help you. I'm trying to guide you. I'm trying to improve you. And in the process of that, sometimes there's some pain. I mean, you could, you could use any analogy you want with doctors, right? Sometimes doctors hurt us. They do. They hurt us, but they're doing it. You know, it's not that pain that they're dealing with. They're trying to, they're trying to heal us. It's called discipline. Sometimes we don't like it, but you might want to think that through is what I'm going through, the results of what, how I live my life. And then the last one is to develop our character. To develop our character. Who here does not like chocolate chip cookies real quick? You do not like, okay, right here, let me just bless you real quick. Anyone else do not like, okay, most of, most of us like chocolate chip cookies. You know what, I? do you like, like the really fresh chocolate chip cookies, right? They're still a little soft, they're, they're hot. They got, you know, maybe have a little milk with them. You guys like that, right? Have you ever gone into the kitchen when someone's making a chocolate chip cookie from scratch? You know what, if you do, you'll very quickly realize that a lot of the ingredients that go in to a chocolate chip cookie... They they taste like turtle spit, really. I I don't know exactly how turtle spit tastes like, but shortening, have you ever tasted that? Ugh! baking soda, raw eggs, salt. Of course, you have the chocolate chips and the sugar and the good stuff, right? But it's mostly not good tasting stuff. But it's amazing, you take all these things that don't taste very good, you put a couple good things in, you stir them around, you put them in the oven, and it comes out and it's like heaven. And God tries to do the same thing with you. He takes a lot of garbage in our life, a lot of things that don't taste very good, and he puts in a couple of good things like Jesus, right? And he stirs that up and he turns you into Mrs. Fields. That's what he's trying to do. You know, he's trying to develop us. Let me wrap it up by saying this. I don't have a lot of time, but um, my last point is very, very basically to say God wants to help us. In the midst of trials, in the midst of difficulties, God wants to help us. I don't have the time to look at all these verses, but... Let some of these thoughts just filter down. One, God says that he will eventually judge all evil. You know that person that treated you unfairly? You know that, that individual that cheated you? You know that person that caused you that tremendous amount of suffering and pain? God says, I'm going I'm to judge all evil. In fact, Paul says in Romans, that's why we aren't to seek, our own, seek out our own personal revenge. The minute we do that, it's almost like we exempt them from having to deal with God. Let God deal with it. He is a fair God. He is a just God. He will, quote, even up the score. He wants to comfort us. Psalm thirty-four eighteen is the verse that Linda quoted in her video. Uh, the idea that God is close to the brokenhearted. He's close to the, those who are crushed in spirit. It, you need to know that. He, he may not take you out of it, but He's going to walk through with you. And the last thing, and I have to put this in, is that God sent His Son so that you and I wouldn't experience eternal suffering. You know, it's one thing to talk about the, you know, the, the lifetime we're going through or the, the, the season we're going through that's really difficult, but it's another thing to talk about eternal suffering. The primary reason Jesus came is, I don't want you to have eternal suffering. You've got to deal with the sin issue, and I'm going to do this for you, and if you trust me and embrace me, you don't have to deal with it anymore. I still remember the night I got the call that Terry had passed away. It was from Chris Noons. He's at this service, a friend. and It was one of those calls at night. It was like 7.30 at night. Uh, And we didn't answer the phone. And it wasn't because we didn't want to, right? Sometimes we do that, right? You know, I don't want to answer. It wasn't that. Sandy and I were in our living room and we were painting. We had gloves on and we had the rollers and, you know, we're just like, okay, just let's listen and see who it is. And we listened to Chris's message and we froze. We froze. It took me about, I think, 20 minutes to calm back to get the details of what happened. And he, you know, explained as much as he could. And he and I and their family and ours were part of the, you know, the close Vinoy friends that they had. And after it was done, Sandy said, what are you going to do? And all I could think to do, I had a really busy day the next day at church. All I could think to do was get online and book a ticket to fly up to Reno just to be there with her. And there were some of you were there and, I realize that today, some of you, oh, you maybe haven't lost a spouse like she did, but in your world and in your life, what you're dealing with hurts an awful lot. It hurts. And I want to make sure you know, during the time that we've spent reflecting on this, that God brought you here today not just to talk to your head, but to encourage your heart. God brought you here today to make sure you know I may not take you out of the storm you're going through, but I'm going to walk right next to you through it. You need to know that. Let's close in a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you that you've given us at least a little bit of understanding of this issue, this problem, this question that comes up about problems and evil and suffering and um, I pray that you would help us and allow us to take what we've learned and that it would help us individually and that we could use it to maybe encourage others Father, I especially want to pray for those right now who feel like their world's Caving in. It could be something that they've lost. It could be a family issue. It could be something that is happening to someone else that they just deeply care for. It could be financial. It could be physical. The reality is that when your son Jesus said that we would have trouble in this world, why well, we sure have experienced that. And I want to especially pray for those right right now and today that frankly what they needed most today, what they need most is not an explanation. What they need is a hug. And I pray that they would sense that you love them and you care for them and that you can live with their questions and you can live with their anger and frustration because no matter what, You will walk right next to us, even though through the valley of shadow of death. I thank you that you are a good God. Father, we make this song our prayer to you today.
0: It's our hope that today's podcast has enriched your life and answered questions you may have had. If you'd like more information about what was said in this podcast or about Bay Hills Community Church you can reach us on the internet at www.bayhills.net. Bay Hills, located in El Sobrante, California, is radically committed to reaching the unchurched in the Bay Area and to developing believers into fully devoted followers of Christ. Thanks again for listening.